Welcome to the Perimenopause Power Podcast. We are Lisa and Natalie, two certified holistic health coaches passionate about helping women embrace their physiology to elevate their highest potential for confidence, health and energy. Perimenopause will be unique to you and each episode gives you the power in knowing that you can define your own journey. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Perimenopause Power. Hello, Lise. How are you today? I'm fabulous. Thank you for asking, Nat. That is good. And we have, again, we just feel so privileged and grateful for the wonderful guests that we get on our podcast. We have Karen Percy, and I'll tell you about Karen. Karen Percy is a veteran journalist, a trauma trainer, a board director, and a media advocate. She's been reporting for more than three and a half decades and has traveled the world, living in Toronto, Bangkok, and Russia as a broadcaster and writer. She's skilled in audio, video, and web media, as well as social media. Based in Melbourne, she's a champion of diversity and equity, especially in the media sector. She advocates for improved media literacy as a way to support democracy. She takes a trauma-informed approach, which entails understanding another person's trauma experiences and dealing with them in an empathetic and ethical way. And Karen has been enduring menopause for seven exclamation mark years now. (laughs) Welcome, Karen. (laughs) Thank you. And can I please take my hat off to the two of you for the brilliant work you're doing in this space. We don't talk enough about it, and I love that we're about to spend a whole lot of time talking about it. Yes, we love it too. We do. And and what we love too is being able to bring different perspectives as well and speaking to women from all different walks of life, women who are working in this space, who women who are going through their own experience and very openly sharing that experience. And, and we bring you on today to talk a little bit about trauma and the way trauma plays a role in how we feel, the way we show up uh, in our health and our well-being. And we'd love to, as by way of introduction, just learn a little bit about what brought you to this work and you know, how can this be a basis of supporting women as they go through perimenopause? So I've been a journalist, as you've mentioned, for 36 years, I have to say that under my breath. Um, And I guess it probably took me a long time to understand the effect of the stories that I was doing and what impact it was having on me. Um, And as a journalist in the main, you do um, come face to face with very challenging situations. I've covered fires, bushfires and floods. So you're dealing with people in very difficult times of their lives. They've fled their homes or they're worried about whether you know, their homes and their livelihoods have gone up in flames or been inundated. Um, I covered a military coup um, and assassination when I was based in Bangkok, civil unrest, protests, electoral discord um, In when I was living in Moscow. Um, when I lived in Melbourne, I was, sorry, when I was still reporting at the ABC, I was the court reporter and covering a lot of really notorious, uh, nasty, violent criminal cases and that kind of takes a toll so I guess it took me a long time to really understand how I had taken on a lot of that and I'm not trying to say that um, you know you have to have my level of kind of you know being exposed to 
crazy, dark and difficult things to be traumatised. And I'm not saying I've got post-traumatic stress disorder or anything like that, but I've um, had a, a degree of exposure to what they call potential traumatic events. Um, and it comes with the territory of being a journalist. And it used to be, we just used to think it was war, war journalists and, and foreign correspondents. And now we've got a really, a much better understanding that journalists almost anywhere doing anything can, can face these potentially traumatic events. And for me, it was um, in 2014 and Rosie Batty when her son Luke was, and this is a content warning, content warning, content warning, um, when, her, you know, she was, I was part of the media pack that was outside her house when she was talking so eloquently and elegantly about her son. And that somehow set off a chain of events for me. Um, I really dislike those kind of stories, the so-called death knock, we call them, and um, was feeling very uncomfortable with it. But when Rosie came out, Rosie Batty came out and spoke in that way, it was really amazing. But I also knew I had a brilliant story. Um, so I filed, I reported back to my desk, filed the story, and then that night, um, it all came flooding back to me about what had really happened and all these other experiences that I had had. So, and that sent me on a path to really understand um, what I had taken on, my really poor ability to deal with those kind of situations. And I've become a real proselytizer for mental well-being, understanding trauma, taking a trauma-informed approach. Um, and that peer support, that having a self-care plan, understanding yourself and those around you can be really beneficial for all. And this is everybody. Um, almost anybody who has got a, a front-facing, you know, whether it's a clinician, um, journalists, lawyers, call centres, insurance people, anybody who's having to deal with, you know, in that public-facing role where people are, are kind of talking about their financial issues and we know through the pandemic there have been real problems. So there's so much need for just a better understanding of trauma and taking that trauma-informed approach. So I've become, like I say, a real proselytizer for it. It's something that, you know, giving a, a simple amount of information and understanding, you really see the pen drop for people. So I hope that um, this discussion we have today um, can really help people understand. Um, and, and that trauma-informed approach is about giving agency to people who've been traumatised, whether it's survivors, you know, that I might be interviewing in my stories. And you give them the time and the space to tell them their stories, you hand back some control. So, um, so many people just are in need of understanding trauma in themselves and others. And I just want to do what I can um, to assist people's understanding and awareness. And particularly in a media sense, when you take a trauma-informed approach, it's best practice and it leads to better ethical, more empathetic reporting. And that builds trust and integrity, which is another real kind of, um, uh, you know, passion of mine. Amazing. It's it's amazing. And actually even talking about 
um, you talk about it from a, a media perspective and, and a journaling perspective, it also opens up the opportunity in the workplace as well to lead with empathy and to have those conversations with our, our colleagues. And uh, just, you know, I think, as you said, it, it's learning that every single one of us in, in all walks of life could really understand and really start to harness at the end of the day to help build those better relationships so that we are living with that quality of life that we absolutely desire too. Yeah, and I think when you understand what's happening to you and during the pandemic, it really helps you to cope yourself but to be a better human and to support others. So during the pandemic when I was still at the ABC, um, because the whole reporting sphere had changed and I was a court reporter and there was almost no court activity happened and I was a peer supporter at the ABC. We've got this fantastic program and I will always say we at the ABC despite not having been there a couple of years but we have a fantastic peer supporter network and it's you know dozens and dozens of your colleagues who've been given a, an amount of training where they understand the work that you do, the trauma that you can be exposed to and they can assist you in navigating it. So, um, so I think it's really Really important and I think so for, for starters let's figure out what trauma is and it's basically it's a deeply distressing disturbing experience it can be an emotional shock and that's following a stressful event or a physical injury and it can lead to long-term neurosis now that's a, a fairly technical um explanation if you like but it's usually something that's life-threatening or you perceive it to be life-threatening you know it's a danger to you physically or otherwise um, and it's much more than stress we all go through stresses and strains but it's much more than stress and it's really important to understand that we all get stressed you know life and and work they test our physical and our mental boundaries and it can absolutely exacerbate trauma, but trauma is much more likely to be sudden and acute and extreme and unexpected. Um, and there is a lot of crossover in how people experience stress and trauma. Um, but just because you're stressed doesn't mean you've been exposed to trauma. But I did find during the pandemic, I did a lot of um, peer support for my ABC colleagues. I held webinars where I did very basic um, awareness on these are the things you might be feeling you know why because it's all a bit hard right now and I'm not saying you've got trauma but I'm saying that these are the kinds of things that you need to look out for yourself um, particularly in the news business where we were going through the whole fake news COVID isn't even a thing um, and then having to deep, deal with deeply distressed people whose families were dying so um, it's just any, anything that helps people understand and navigate their own emotions and feelings, I think is a really important thing. I love that definition. I was actually going to ask you what it is. So beautifully said. Can you explain to our listeners what trauma actually, you know, sorry, the possible correlation between trauma and menopause in your work with women, Karen? It's important. I will just make a note here that I'm not a formally trained counsellor. I'm not yep. a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't have formal qualifications. I couldn't diagnose you with anything. But I have an educated ear and a sympathetic um, shoulder as being part of that peer support. So I, I just want to, you know, make sure that your listeners understand. So I'm coming from that lived experience. And I have been trained as a peer supporter. So that educated ear is actually through formal training. And the ABC's program is world-leading, world -leading, 
world-class when it comes to dealing with trauma in a media organisation. I've also done a number of fellowships in the United States with an organisation called the DART Centre, which focuses on journalism and trauma. So just that's that's kind of where I come yeah. from as, um, you know, with my expertise as such. Um, and I, I have a great network across the world of journalists who I dip into. But the work I've been doing um, in trauma, and I think... There's some really interesting research that's been done in the United States about um, the links between what women experience in menopause and perimenopause and what they experience, you know, and, and the trauma that they've had in their lives. I think there's a lot more research that needs to be done on that. But there's clearly some researchers out there who think there are very direct links on, you know, that line between trauma and menopause. And there's certainly some credible arguments, but I think part of the problem we have is that we don't know enough. And this is, of course, yeah. everything about the female body and whether it's, you know, medicine and health. And, you know, we just don't know enough because we haven't bothered to put the resources and the time into it. And it's great that we're starting to do that. But we do know that menopause, you know, it's that time in our lives where we do a lot of thinking about our lives, right? Our body is changing. We know that we're, we're shifting into a different time of our life. Um, we think about where we're at. We think a lot about what we're going to put up with and what we don't. Um, and there are often other challenges going on in this sort of phase of your life. It might be a relationship breakup. It might be a change in your work scenario, children leaving home. You know, then you've got parents who are ill or you've got other caring responsibilities, a feeling that you're not appreciated in the work that you're doing. Financial insecurity, maybe, if you have had that kind of, that, that terrible trifecta often of, you know, work, um, family and personal changes. So, you know, do I have enough super? Can I afford my lifestyle? So there's a whole lot of stuff that's going on while you're dealing with this difficult thing that's, that's trauma, uh, that is um, menopause. And when you're looking back, back at your life and, and looking at, you know, um, the things that have happened to you and your children, it's invariably, you know, you will start to think back on your life. There were things when I was going through that baddie, Ro Ro Rosie Batty episode that I had not thought about in my life for a very long time, like the first time, content warning, content warning, the, for, the, the first time I saw a body, a dead body, um, the first time I really understood that somebody was, you know, dying um, nearby me. So, I think you start to think about these things. Of course, there are self-esteem issues. You're thinking about yourself in lots of different ways. You might be putting on weight. You might be, you know, changing. You some of us get really crabby. You know, like all the all the cliched stuff. But but it's real, right? Um, so we're wondering who that woman in the mirror is. Um, we feel it and we experience it in different ways, and that's really important to understand. So I think part of this reflection at this time, this stage in our lives with all this other stuff going on invariably leads us back to some of the things that have happened in our lives, and I think that, that that's where that trauma link is probably coming in. But as I say, I think there's a lot more research that needs to be done to be you know, before you can be absolute about it. But, you know, we know we've all experienced things in our lives that um, even if they don't kind of hit that threshold of trauma, they're very, very stressful, they're very, very difficult, and they make the way we deal with things emotionally, physically, um, you know, they affect all of the things that we're trying to do in coping with our lives. Mm, yeah, you're so spot on that absolutely there needs to be more research. I remember feeling or thinking this in the very early days when we started this work and that was just from conversations we were having with women that 
yes, the experiences that women were having across their lifetime seemed to come out and culminate into this phase of perimenopause. And at that point, we hadn't really looked into it all. And again, we, you know, we're limited in, I guess, um, our level of expertise as well from that, that research perspective. But it's, it just seemed like there was a common theme that kept coming up. And it, it is, it seems to be that, that invisibility, that overwhelm, that, that change that we're experiencing, it, it just creates this flow and effect of reflection. And as you said, uh, could link into trauma and be a bit more than just stress, but it's, it's really coming up and showing up in, in their body, right? In their whole essence and being. Absolutely. And it's also, as part of that reflection and kind of whatever this new part of your life is, you suddenly start listening to yourself, paying attention to yourself. Because for so long, you know, I don't have children, but for a long time, I put other people's needs before me, whether it was in my office or other parts of my family. So I think this is a stage of our lives where we actually start to go, well, what do I need for my life? Because, you know, maybe your caring responsibilities are starting to taper off a little bit. And I think when you do that, um, you do start to look back on things that maybe you ignored or didn't pay enough attention to at the time. And we know there's lots of difficult things that happen in family lives, um, you know, with children, with parents, with partners. So I think that that it is, it's all part of that kind of when you start to pay attention to yourself and listen to yourself and understand yourself better, some of this stuff is inevitably going to start tumbling out and you're going to start thinking about things in a different way. And I'm not, it's not even necessarily either the regrets or should I, or would I have done things differently? I think it's um, what one of the things I do love about being in this stage of life is that um, I'm confident about what I think and what I feel and confident in my abilities. I still think there are huge structural problems that um, stop us from being our full selves. But, you know, we know who we are and, and what we can achieve. And, you know, I think having these conversations, talking about menopause and their impact it has on our working lives and the way we do things is crucially important um, I was chatting, um, I sent out a bit of a, when I, when I was sort of preparing for this podcast, I sent out a bit of a note to a number of the um, women that I've worked with in recent years who've been going through perimenopause as well. And, you know, what would you need? Because I, I, as a unionist, um, one of the roles I uh, um, have is um, I'm the president of the media section of the Media Entertainment and Arts Alliance. And that's um, I sort of represent 5,000 journalists across the country. And one of the things that we do, obviously, is pay conditions and work security and that kind of thing. And one of the things that I've been chatting to with Victoria Trades Hall Council um, and others is about, you know, menopause leave and actually looking at and accommodating women across their careers, you know, whether it's, you know, menstruating as a younger woman, pregnancy or trying to get pregnant, um, breastfeeding, whatever it is, like we need our workplaces to really pay a lot more attention to, you know, half the population and their biology. This is just who we are. We're not asking for anything special here. We're just asking that you accept who we are and accommodate who we are and what our needs are. So I was sort of throwing out what are the things that you would need, you know, like in the journalism sense, it's the kind of assignments that you're on or is it rostering? And and really the most important thing people sort of said to me was actually just having a space to be able to 
go and you know lie down for a little bit or to clear your head you know when you've got it with you've got a hot, hot flash or suddenly you're just feeling a bit overwhelmed by things the old sick bay you know when i first started as a reporter in 1987 there was the sick bay where you know it was generally used by blokes who were hung over frankly but uh <laughs> so something like that where you've just got a quiet space where you can just calm yourself down, cool yourself down, um, clear your head, rest a little bit. You know, that's that little kind of micro break to then get yourself back together and go. And that would be something that, you know, young women, women who are trying to get pregnant, women who are pregnant, you know, like it's just something. And, and frankly, you know, our male colleagues need something as well but it's just just to accommodate what we need because that's usually all it takes right it's just I need a few minutes just to and it's not always possible as a journalist invariably it happens in the middle of an interview or you're out and about somewhere so but it's just really making sure that our workplaces accommodate that so I love the fact that in this period in my life I can be advocating for that and I can be having um, high level conversations with people about you know what let's let's put this on the agenda and I think that that's one of the fantastic things about being older and knowing yourself um, despite all the other difficulties that can come with this stage of life um, I do think it's got real opportunities and that's the message that's been coming through from my colleagues and friends who I've been speaking to about this. I think Karen that last suggestion is great and never has there been such a an amazing time for um architects building owners um owners of a business to rethink what their workplace looks like and look, I've got a background in before I pivoted over to what I do now with Nat I've got a background in property and um you know I still and I also do some work in the um the flexible work um industry and it's very much front of mind especially for flexible workplaces to be able to design workplaces around the needs of their their members and that is extending also into you know refits redesign in the commercial retail industrial sort of um realm as well so it's it's not unlikely that you will see things like that and definitely in the interim there must be a way that we can actually accommodate this um first and foremost right now and i look companies are doing that because you know we have rooms where people need to go to meditate uh, for different religious reasons all that kind of thing we've got breastfeeding mums uh we just need a quiet space we need a space that women can go to that's a different climate controlled room because they're having a hot flush and they're just not feeling great. But the beauty of it too, is that we are working more flexibly. And I think um, hybrid working also lends itself to being able to, you know, to help accommodate women out of the workplace into their, into their own home space where, you know, they're working as well. So really a great suggestion and, and something that's not too hard to accommodate. Exactly. Very, very easy. And and I agree, it's time we actually started looking at the needs of half the population. Even the, the floors, the surfaces in most buildings in their foyers are slippery and not good for women wearing heels. Yes. You know, like yeah. oh, something as simple as that. The the width of toilet cubicles where, you know, your ass cheek is sitting on the sanitary bin like, yeah. come on, people. I know. Who are you actually building this for? And it's just yeah. there are so many little things, you know, in their desperation to make it efficient they've actually made it really unworkable so um, I'm pleased to hear this Natalie so um, I, I think it's a fabulous idea um, to actually include us if uh, you know just ask us what we might need I mean what yeah. a concept huh 
<laughs> there's definitely changes afoot. I think, um, yeah, there's a lot more flexibility that we have to start thinking about now. I know. Imagine being asked what we needed. Amazing. <laughs> that simple question. <laughs> I know, I know. But, you know, it's, it, it manifests itself too in the way that, you know, like women experience um, heart attacks and strokes in different ways. So we've been taught that we should look for certain uh, yes. symptoms if we're having a heart attack, and that's not what women experience. So, I mean, it, there's some pretty fundamental stuff here. We just keep being wedged into this unisex men's sort of that will work for you, and it's just it's lazy um, and it's just it's insulting and it's disrespectful and it's time it changed. Here, here, totally agree. <laughs> so, yeah, what a, a yeah, an amazing conversation. And if we come back to the trauma piece, interested to know what are some of the ways that we could support ourselves around trauma, or what sort of tips do you have for our listeners? I think one of the important things is understanding how it manifests itself in you. So, um, so for example, you might have trouble sleeping, you might have anxiety, a bit of depression, anger and outbursts. They're the kinds of things that when you're exposed to trauma um, can happen and difficulty concentrating. Now, for example, they're pretty common um, and I think a lot of this of us feel that in normal times. So what is really important to know about, you know, the, the effects of a traumatic exposure or something that's happened to you that has been traumatic is that it's beyond what you normally feel. Um, so, for example, you know, if you're using and abusing drugs or alcohol, um, more than you usually would, you know, and that's no judgment. People do what they need to do to be able to kind of cope. And that's not me moralizing or anything. But if you see in yourself or somebody, you know, that they're nudging the booze a bit more, or they're doing drugs that you've never seen them before, that might be an indication and risky behavior, sexual behavior, for example, um, you know, having a, an affair or, or some kind of um, unusual behavior like that, driving wildly, doing sort of dangerous things. If you're not wanting to do your usual activities as well, you know, you, you might be cutting off your family and your friends. That's another kind of classic sign that that maybe something's not quite right. Hypervigilance, that kind of looking over your shoulder all the time or being on edge, waiting for something to happen. That's a classic kind of red flag for uh, potential trauma exposure. Nightmares and flashbacks, that's again, textbook kind of responses. So they're the kind of classic um, things to look out for in yourself. I actually had an, an experience a few years back where I had this series of dreams where they were in fact freeze frames. There was a freeze frame of a charred part of a house. There was a murky underwater screen and then there was another scene and then there was another freeze frame of my computer screen. And I actually eventually contacted the employee assistance program through this um, and worked with a counsellor for a while and, and we were discussing this and one of the first things she said to me was just like okay well these are very unusual and let's have a look at you know what kind of work what are the stories you've been covering and I sort of went back that was my homework I think after our first counselling session and my homework was that I had and I realised I'd covered three drownings within a 10-day period it's just like mm -hmm. well no wonder you've got something weird going on about being underwater um, so that was explaining a few things. And again, I'm not trying to kind of one up people on your trauma exposure, but it's just understanding what stuff does to you, because I'm used to as a journalist having to deal with difficult situations. And, and I just have had no clear clue how it was impacting me. So I think it's important to understand um you know, know yourself, understand yourself. And then if you are feeling out of sorts and you don't really um, know why, have a little think about what is it that might be making me, you know, feel out of sorts? You know, is it beyond the usual thinking? So 
And then it's about having a plan to deal with times when you are feeling overwhelmed. Not everybody needs to go and have sessions with a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I have certainly done that and got a huge amount out of it. And there should be absolutely no stigma in looking out for your own mental health. Um, Though, as we know, there are huge strains on our mental health system at the moment. So when I used to be a court reporter for the ABC in Melbourne, I dealt with a lot of very difficult cases, Um, you know, as I was bearing witness, if you like, to the justice system and it was you know nasty violent cases involving some nasty violent people and I had a couple of methods that I used to be able to ensure that I could cope with what I was seeing and hearing and also being able to do the work my job was to write about those stories so it was really important that if I was feeling a bit overwhelmed I needed some tips and tricks to be able to help myself through so one of them was psyching myself into a situation was knowing what I was going into and doing some preparation beforehand that was always good okay I'm dealing with this particular case today I know these kinds of details are coming out. And that's part of it. Even though I know it was going to be difficult, I knew it was coming. I could plan for it. Um, So I found that helped. And you do get into a zone as a journalist when you're taking notes and you're crafting your story, you're dealing with your editors. You know, you just sort of put one foot in front of the other. You know the formula. You know the the check box of all the things you've got to do. So um, that helped me too is just knowing that I've got this work to do. And then I'd get to a a point where I knew I'd be able to have a break. And that's when I would... um, uh you know take some time to help so, you know I've written my breaking news alert I've sent a radio story I've got some post-court reaction I've spoken to the lawyers I've written up my online blah 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 blah. so you just do the job but you know I would always find knew that I'd have a window at some point where I'd, I'd be able to take a breath and that's when I would put my self-care plan into place um so The deadlines and the workloads um, meant that I sometimes took a while to process things internally because you're just getting on with it. Um, But when I did feel that need to clear clear my head or felt overwhelmed, I would. I would deploy my self-care plan, and it's actually a plan. Um, And that could be listening to my favourite songs, and it could be, you know, sometimes it would be Gloria Gaynor going, yeah, I will survive, you know, so find that. And I would put edits, you know, it's bookmarked on YouTube, and I just go there and I listen, and it just makes me feel really good. Uh, I might take a walk around the block, watch funny videos, um, things that distract and deter the bad thoughts to get you past that to get you through that kind of process that would give me the headspace I needed to be able to get on with the next part of the day I have an album on my phone of photographs that make me feel happy and it's um, there's a great photograph of my mum who's since um, left us but uh, with her with three of her grandchildren where they're making these really stupid faces and it just makes me laugh because it's my beautiful mother pre-dementia there's a beautiful place in Canada my husband and I go and I've got a photograph of that and it's a beautiful lake and I can literally feel myself swimming in the water and and the, the the breeze ruffling my hair and you know it takes me to a place so I would absolutely encourage you to to have those kinds of things Um, And it's, you know, beautiful flower. I took a photograph of one day, which was literally to remind me to stop and smell the roses. So I find that so, so helpful. Very, very comforting. Um, And then reaching out to my peer supporters, my fellow peer supporters, I might talk through some things or debrief or if I needed just to hear a friendly, loving voice, I might call my dad 
or if I knew somebody was good for, you know, a joke or whatever, um, I would do that as well. So having, it's literally a plan that says, when I'm feeling like this, I'm going to call this person. When I'm feeling that, I'm going to do this. It's actually a written plan. Um, and I, and it is, it's very easy to come up with these things. And I really encourage anybody who, it, it, in fact, regardless of how stressful or otherwise you think your job is, just having those little things that are yours that you can lose yourself in. It really helps. Like when I was describing that water, it already just made me feel good. So find that for you. And everything is going to be different for every person. Every person's response to trauma and stress is really, really different. Some people never, never, never feel or are affected by the things that go on around them. And some people are, are affected immediately. Sometimes there's a delayed response. So understanding there's one no, no one size fits all and that you as an individual do what works for you. So many excellent suggestions there. And um, I love the photo one. I actually can really resonate with that. I lost my... 97 year old grandmother a few years ago and I still pine for her to this day and I just I just look at photos of her and it instantly puts a smile on my face and yeah it's so powerful and some of them so simple a lot of them are simple too so and I like the point about um you know what may affect you from a trauma point of view may not affect others and a lot of it sits in the subconscious too doesn't it you were talking about the dreams and you'd gone back and had a look at the the stories you've been covering, you probably never thought that they were going to have the effect on you that it did. So it's really, really um, beneficial feedback and information to just for us to be aware of, you know, and so what does menopause, you know, going into menopause, what, what does that give us as trauma? And, you know, I can hand on heart say, um, for myself, I, I sort of think to myself, well, how different my body is now to what it was, you know, a number of years ago. And that's a big one for a lot of women. You know, I can't train, eat, sleep like I used to, you know, and have been for the last 20 or 30 years. And that creates a lot of trauma for them and a lot of, a lot of confusion about what's going on. So yeah, thanks, Karen. They were, that was really beautiful stuff. Nat, sorry, did you want to say anything? I'm just putting my uh, meditation hat on and, you know, I think, again, just having those micro moments where you can take a breath and even, you know, it was like looking at your photo, it's like a form of visualisation meditation, isn't it, taking you back and and not just taking you back there with the eyes but taking you back there with the body as well. And, and again, it's just it's amazing the tools that we have at our disposal, a lot of them internal too, that can help support us and, you know, it doesn't cost a cent, it, it doesn't take a lot of time but it can actually change us and and bring us back to it the present moment and and reset so yeah really great tips absolutely and of course there's the usual you know get as much sleep as you can and and you're right about your body does change I do taekwondo I took up martial arts in my um mid to late 40s and I just love it I just love it it's the best thing I did two classes last night and I'm sore as but it's just what I love about it is that I have to focus. I can't, if, if there's something distracting me, I'm going to fall down and hurt myself. So I have to focus. It's very physical, but it's also really mental. So, um, you know, do the things that make you happy and accept your body. It's 
I know it's hard when we are going through these changes, but it's you, it's your body. Um, and I think we need to have, you know, the whole of society needs to allow women to be women and to allow and accept that um, our biology dictates things that we cannot. We can control some things, but um, but it's important that society recognises who we are. And I think that's part of when you're at this age where you start to go, you know what, I, this is my time, get out of my way. You know, I won't allow myself to be invisible. Um, and that's really a powerful thing. Uh, so, yeah, to the women out there, it's just love yourself, embrace yourself, do the things that you can do for you um, because there's only one life and you don't want regrets. Mm. Agreed. Absolutely. And probably leads beautifully to our final question, actually. So our podcast and the basis behind it is really helping to encourage women to come into their power, nurture it and use their power as they transition through perimenopause. And you alluded or alluded in in your uh, bio that you're seven years into enduring perimenopause. And so what does coming into your power mean to you and, and how are you practicing that? Being myself, doing the things I really want to do, not putting up with a lot of nonsense that I don't want to put up with. I mean, there are certain things, you know, we have to pay taxes and all the rest of it, but just not doing the things that to impress other people anymore, just to do things um, for the people that um, I appreciate and appreciate me. So I've got a I've got a little kind of consultancy going on with with trauma training, trauma literacy, media training, and media literacy because I think one of the important things is is understanding that you know everybody has a story to tell and being given the tools and tips to be able to do that but so it's it's doing the things that I like it's stepping up like I actually taught these classes last night because my master is sick and it was just fantastic to to realize that you know five five and a half years ago I was a you know total newbie I didn't know anything about taekwondo and last night I was teaching a class of 20 kids and I was doing a pretty kick-ass job of showing them a sidekick and the differences and just believing in yourself and knowing that you can start new things and do things at this stage in our lives and it's important to do that because we've got a lot of a lot of runway left you know so um I just yeah, do the things you want to do in the passion projects. Yes, you've got to pay the bills, but, um, you know, you've done a lot of stuff over your career to get yourself to where you are and enjoy it. Don't don't wait for that rainy day or that, you know, when I retire, I'll do, do it now. Because I think we've all seen those situations where people had something planned for their retirement or a certain stage of their life and it never quite worked out. So um, live in the moment. Um, love the one you're with and love yourself. Mm, that's so beautiful. And I and I and I think um, out of that too, I'm just thinking with what you said, there's an element of using the reflection for power. So reflect on what the life has been, but also use that to propel you forward in this next phase. And you know, and just because we're a certain number or at a certain uh, physiological stage of our life, and actually we touched on this with someone else this morning as well, it shouldn't mean that that's the end of what of what you've done previously. And I think there's such a big issue around that about, oh, I'm this age now, so I've got to stop doing it. It's just like, you know, you're still feeling great. Yeah, it's just a number and uh, you just need to deal with some of the changes that are going on and then keep going, keep doing what it is that you love. So 
I started um, playing yeah. netball again recently. There you go. First, first time in 20 years. It yeah. hurts as well, but it's just brilliant. And it's interesting to see um, in our league a lot more older women just going, you know what, I've been watching my kids on a Saturday for years. I'm going to get up and do it again. So it's exactly right. Re-embrace all those things that you had to put on hold for a little while and just do it. It's yeah. brilliant. Love it. Love it so much. Such a great conversation, Karen. We've absolutely loved you giving insights into journalism and, and the challenges that um, you encounter through the stories that you share and how that can translate into trauma, whether it's in the moment or later on in life, but also sharing your wonderful wisdom around being a woman and your passion for wanting to make changes because you know, we need it. It's time for real serious change. And uh, yeah, we, as I said in the opening, feel very grateful to have had you on our podcast and we'd love to connect our listeners with you. So where is the best places that they can learn more about you and connect with you? Well, I've just um, finished setting up a web page. It's at www.karenpercyinc.com inc.com um, and we'll be building that over the next little while where you can find out it's, it's pretty basic at the moment just the things that I'd like to be able to do um, for lots of uh, women and businesses out there in terms of media and trauma and the like so um, yeah get in contact there or via LinkedIn I'm there as well Karen Percy you'll find me but I just want to say to the two of you thank you so much for this um, great opportunity I love connecting and, and having conversations with women who are doing brilliant things change is hard but it's necessary and we're the ones to do it so um Thank you so much for the practical solutions, forums for discussion and exchanges of experiences that you are offering. So brava to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks again for sharing your time with us, learning how you can be your best energetic self no matter what life stage you are going through. Be sure to contact us if any of this content resonates with you. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any of our future episodes. See you next time.